0: My wife, the last one to sit down, always tells you something. Well, good morning. So good to be with everyone. My name is Liam. For those who don't know me, I'm part of the leadership team here at 502. And what I love about the fact that we meet together as a family of God is that already, you may not know this, but Eddie came up a few moments ago and just shared what was on his heart. He shared a bit of a passage and encouragement, and he basically nailed my preach. So Eddie, I feel like you should come and do this. So, yeah, it's it's amazing how God works. So hopefully you get the sense this morning that we're going to be talking a lot um, about what Jesus can do for us this morning in terms of breaking chains of freedom. Maybe there's some areas of our lives that we need to address this morning. And so I hope you would feel encouraged. And we're going to be in the book of John. Um, So if you've been here the last few weeks, I think this may have now eek over into the last few months, we've been going through the gospel of John. And we've called it That You May Believe. That's the title of this sermon series. And in a nutshell, that's because John, the author, he's not just writing to us to tell us, all right, this is what Jesus did. This is where he lived. This is where he did his works. Isn't that great? He's actually writing so that you would believe in who Jesus actually says he is. So that's the mindset I'd love you to have this morning. Not just what did this man do. But also, who did he claim to be? And who is this Jesus? That's what I'd love for you to just think through this morning as I read this passage to us. And if you're here this morning, and maybe you don't know at all what the Bible is about, what Jesus is about, what do we actually believe as Christians, then I honestly believe this is a great opportunity for you this morning to just explore, just to think, do you know what? Okay, let's, let's hear what this guy's got to say, who I don't know, and let's see what this Jesus has to offer you this morning. So I'd encourage you, if you're a believer here this morning, that you'd both be encouraged in your walk with Jesus, that you are a child of God here this morning, but also challenged, and maybe there's some areas that we need to deal with this morning and just refocus ourselves on Jesus. So we're in John chapter 8 this morning. We have Bibles at the sides, all dotted along, so if you'd like to grab one, please do. And this is a fairly lengthy passage, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tag-team it this morning. So we're going to do verses 12 to 59. I'm going to read half of it, and then I'm going to invite one of our students, Chloe, up to just come and do the second half. So A, you don't get bored of my voice, and B, it's good to have an American accent every now and again. So Chloe's going to come up and give us her best Californian accent, which is going to be great for all of us to listen to. So let's read together. So we are in John 8, starting from verse 12. And the title of this is Dispute Over Jesus' Testimony. It's going to come up behind me if you haven't got a Bible, so don't worry. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever believes me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf... My testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one, but if I do judge, my decisions are true because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put, yet no one seized him, because his hour had not yet come. Once more Jesus said to them, I'm going away, and you'll look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you're from below, I'm from above. You're of this world, I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. Who are you, they asked. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I've much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I've heard from him, I tell the world. Now they did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. So the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you'll know the truth. And this is where Eddie comes in. And the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we should be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I know you're Abraham's descendants, yet you're looking for a way to kill me because you've no room for my word. I'm telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you've heard from your Father. Chloe, over to you. Oh, thanks. She can be loud.
1: Just from there. Abraham is our Father. They answered if you were Abraham's children said Jesus then you would do what Abraham did as it is you are looking for a way to kill me a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God Abraham did not do such things you are doing the works of your own father we are not illegitimate children they protested the only father we have is God himself Jesus said to them if God were your father you would love me for I have come here from God I have not come on my own God sent me Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets, yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds.
0: Amazing. Thanks, Betty. Thanks, Betty. Okay, so plenty to unpack there. Quite a long reading. You see why I tag team it now. Um, And just... Completing on a a side note, please get to know Chloe. So there's two things you need to know about Chloe. Number one, she loves to moan about British weather. So if you want to talk to her about that, please go ahead. And also, she is amazing at cooking Mexican food. So if any of you are thinking, right, I want to have a Mexican-themed evening, we can testify. We've had many meals now with Chloe, where she will love nothing more than to come over, bring all the ingredients, and cook for you. So please do get to know Chloe. Okay, smoothly back to the text we go. Right. There is a lot going on here, and I think just for context, it's vital for us when there's so much information, so much we could talk about, you've probably forgotten half of what was just read there already, so I'm gonna pick out two main things this morning that I would love us to focus on, and I think we have to start with exactly where we are geographically and the actual festival that this is describing for us to understand why is Jesus speaking this way? Why do the Jews and the Pharisees seem just so irritating in their reluctance to accept what he's saying? It's a constant back and forth of, we don't believe you, but I am. No, I don't believe you, yes, but I'm saying this. No, we don't believe you. And it goes on for a while. So, really important to understand, we are at the Festival of Tabernacles. So if you were here last week, you'll have heard Richard speaking on a passage just before this, and he basically unpacked for us what that means. So in a nutshell, the Festival of the Tabernacles, massive Jewish holiday, is where Jews come together and they celebrate the faithfulness of God, and this dates back to the Exodus. So we probably know the story, Egypt, Pharaoh, Moses. God saves his people out of Egypt, out of Pharaoh's hand, out of slavery, takes them into the wilderness and there he dwells with them in tents in a tabernacle and he provides for them everyday food so that they keep going. And so this is a festival where they celebrate God is faithful, let's look back and see how he has provided for us in the past. So that's where we are right now. And the main characters in this are of course Jesus himself, We have many, many Jews who are just there to celebrate the festival, and then we have the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders of the day, they're the Jewish teachers, they're the ones who know everything, they observe the law, and they're highly respected in that society. Now, one thing you need to know before we talk about anything about Jesus being light of the world, is that this festival was lit up literally by four huge lights, So it says in the Temple of the Courts, this is where Jesus spoke. This was in the evening, it was completely dark, and there were four huge lights in the corners of the temple, and they would radiate and they would glow, lit up the whole place so that people could enjoy the festivities. So you picture Jesus here, so many people around him, it's dark all around, we're late at night. But there are these huge lamps that everybody can see. They have massive, massive significance for that Jewish community. And that is the backdrop that Jesus chooses to say, I've got something to say. I am the light of the world. So we have to understand that in its context. So you can't see it very well because it's a sunny day. But you can see there just how good a job these lights do. And that you can suddenly see this sort of gone over the complete temple and given you light for what you're doing late into the evening. Now, this is the second I am statement that Jesus actually makes. So it's the first verse we've read today, and there's actually seven of these. So you'll see behind me, there are seven I am statements that Jesus makes throughout the book of John, and we today are on this second one, I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. And all of these seven statements, they reveal something of who Jesus is, and what he is standing for. They're about his character. They're about his mission and his identity. And he cleverly uses things that you and I would relate to in order to give us a spiritual reality. Jesus does this all the time. He's a master at doing it. Last week, Richard spoke to us about Jesus' words, which were, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So we've got that physical water analogy. Obviously today we've got lights of the world. People can relate to the light. I've just said about the lights above this festival. You've got things that people can actually get hold of. The vine would have been so important to people. The good shepherd, livestock was such an important part of Jewish way of life. These are all things that Jesus is putting a hook out and saying, all right, you're going to understand this because I'm going to speak in terms that you can relate to. And darkness is all around this festival. Away from the lamps, you move away, it's dark. So Jesus is using a physical reality to actually talk about a spiritual reality for anyone there who is willing to listen. And my question for you is this. So what does that actually mean then for Jesus to say, I'm the light of the world? If someone asks you that on the street tomorrow, what does it mean when Jesus says he's the light of the world? I don't get that at all. And what does it mean for us to have the light of life? Because that's what Jesus says. If you believe in me, you have the light of life. Well, the reality is that all of us, You may agree with this or not, but all of us are naturally children of darkness. We are flawed people. None of us in this room are perfect. None of us in this room are saintly. We all mess up. We all get things wrong. And we are alienated from God. And this comes back to the fall in Genesis. Ever since Genesis, where we disobeyed God, there's been a chasm between us and him. And there is something that needs to happen, some exchange, something to bridge the gap so that we can know God again. So the reality is, you look around the world today, people are stumbling around in the dark, trying to find purpose, trying to find meaning, trying to find something that will give them the fulfillments that they are looking for. And people look in all kinds of places, we can all relate to that. Because ultimately, God is holy, we are not, and we need something to bridge that gap. And it's only when God breaks into our lives and reveals his light to us that we can actually see that light. That's the reality of it. And in this passage, we see that God the Father chooses to reveal himself to us through Jesus. So he makes the first move in order to say, Gateway, I want to love you. I'm sending my son. Please listen to him. Please obey him, and he will give you life. He will be the light of your life. But it's a choice. And I remember this exact experience in my own life, making that choice. I was at university, age 19, a few years ago, and I had this choice to make. I felt awful in a pretty dark space. Didn't like the course I was doing, fumbling around for meaning, broken relationships, making stupid choices, away from home, didn't have a good church family or any kind of support. And I genuinely felt there's got to be more to life than this, than what I'm living. And I genuinely, I'd grown up in the church, so I knew the Bible. I knew what God wanted to say to me. But as a pastor's son, I'd always lived through my parents' faith. So I'd grown up in the church, but it's very easy. If you're a pastor's kid here, you may relate to this. Very easy to just memorize the right things, be at the front of church, go to youth group, go and do whatever you want. And people think, oh, well, he's part of this family, therefore, you know, they're fine. Whereas actually, I never made the faith my own. And so it took me going to university to realize that I needed Jesus for myself. And so I cried out to him. I was desperate and genuinely... I couldn't do anything until he revealed himself to me. I asked him to reveal himself to me. And the next day, genuinely, after saying that prayer, I woke up and I felt completely different. can't explain it to you. If someone comes up to me and says, prove it to me, all I can do is say, well, if you knew me before and you knew me after, let's have a conversation. But it was genuinely something changed. The light was switched on. My desires were different. The way I saw the world was different. I actually wanted to read the Bible. I wanted to actually get stuck into church. I wanted to live for Jesus for the first time. And it's hard to explain. But he genuinely came into the darkness and gave me his light. Because the reality is when a light is shone into the darkness, the darkness has nowhere to go. The light overpowers darkness and it reveals the truth. It reveals what was there but what you couldn't see in the dark. And this is exactly what we see with the Pharisees in this story. The light of Jesus penetrates their hearts, and it shows what's actually there. None of us can hide from God. The reality is he sees our heart, he sees our thoughts. And they are shown up in this instant. Now, I'm not saying for a minute that as soon as you accept Jesus in your life, you you are living a radiant life where you don't have trials, and life's still not hard, and you still don't get upset. It's still a battle every day. But that day for me in 2012, May 2012, good one and light one in my life and so whatever happens now that'll always be the marker in my life life happens things go wrong of course they do but ultimately that was the day when the light of Jesus came into my life and this is amazing news this is literally the gospel message So, when is Jesus actually going to be fully realized as the light of the world? He says it here. The Jews don't understand. Often we think, okay, great, that's quite an abstract thought. I don't really know how that applies to my life today. I'm here on a Sunday morning. Give me something practical that I can take away with me. Well, in verse 28, he says the answer. He says, When you have lifted up the Son of Man. So, the amazing thing about Jesus is that, yes, he's the light of the world, but he's not far off. He's not like a star out there where you can look but don't touch. He is actually our sacrificial son. He is our sacrificial light who has come to die for us so that we can know the Father. So if you've accepted Jesus into your life this morning, you are a child of light, 100%, done deal. No one can affect that. It's not a flimsy promise. It is done because of what Jesus did on that cross for you. The light of the world has come. But unfortunately, and we can often bash the Pharisees, so I don't want to go too hard in on this, but ultimately the Pharisees, could not and would not believe Jesus. You'll have noticed that there are many references in here. They bring up Abraham a lot, and you might think, oh, I don't really understand the Old Testament too much. I haven't really read much of Abraham's story. Why do they keep harking on about a guy who died hundreds of years before? Well, in reality for them, Abraham was everything they wanted Jesus to be. They would got their theology wrong, their thinking wrong, and they thought Abraham was the guy, the prophet, the promised one, and they were like Jesus you need to get in line with this and you need to think about Abraham. Now the irony is, of course if you know your bible, Abraham lived his whole life looking forward to what was going to come. He was literally waiting for Jesus for the Messiah to come. Says Jesus says that himself in verse 56 we just read. So the Pharisees are blinded to this truth that is right in front of them because they've hung their hats on Abraham as the great I am when Jesus has literally just said I am the light of the world. Those seven I am statements, but they're blinded to it, and so often we are as well. Simply put, they just did not believe. So let's quickly talk about belief and how that applies to us this morning. Here are some of the things that the Pharisees say to Jesus that justifies and shows their unbelief. It says this, Your testimony is not true because you bear witness about yourself, verse 13. Abraham is our father, not you, verse 39. You have a demon in you, verse 48. Verse 48. And they picked up stones to throw at him, verse 59. So we can read this and we can think, oh, Pharisees, what on earth were they doing? Very, very simple. If Jesus was right in front of me right now, saying these things, I would bow at his feet, I would take him at his every word, I would let him have my heart completely. Well, the reality is, do we here today always live out that belief that Jesus is your eternal hope? Do we actually believe that every day Do we actually allow it to shape us? Or is it something that when we do our 10 minutes a day reading the Bible at most, we kind of clock into and then clock out again and go and do our day? The Pharisees didn't believe. For all their theological study, for all of their devotion to the Scriptures, they observed the law down to a T. So you've got to say, they were impressive in the way that they were able to discipline themselves, but everything they did was shallow. And as I've said, they get exposed by the light and it shines right through them, and it shows that their hearts are actually dark. It's not receptive. It's not warm towards Jesus at all. It exposes them. They've got all the head knowledge in the world, but no heart knowledge. So do you know that we can actually read our Bibles every single day? We can attend conferences. We can do New Day. We can go to these big, lovely conferences. We can sit in the front three rows of church every single week. We can read fat theology books, and actually it may not... Shape and mould you as a child of light at all. We can do that, tick it off the list. But if we're not engaging with what we read, if we're not engaging with the Holy Spirit as we go about our day, it's not actually impacting us. And this is what we find with the Pharisees. So I find this really helpful. Um, author of Holier than Now, which is a book based on the the holiness of God and how if we believe God is holy, then it helps us to trust Him. This is Jackie Hill Perry who wrote the book. She says this about the Pharisees. They dedicated their lives to the study of God's word, searching them as if they'd find eternal life in the very words themselves, when in fact, if they only believed what they knew, they'd know that eternal life was found in Christ and Christ alone. And I think we can relate to this if we really think about it because we too can struggle to believe and trust God. I don't know what you're going through at the minute. I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know whether you've got relational breakdown going on or you're struggling at work or financially you're thinking, what am I going to do? I have no idea what's going on personally for you, but there's something in all of our lives that actually we would say, I need Jesus to break in this morning and help me with this area of my life. I'm sure there is. I think one of the big reasons that we can struggle to trust God and to take him at his word is that I think we're not very good at trusting people. So people let us down, people lie to us, people don't show up when we need them to. And in an earthly sense, like we're all part of this. We all let others down, and they let us down. None of us are 100% honest and truthful, so we all contribute to this. And so I think generally we can then say, oh, well, in that case, I don't think God the Father's any good, because my father did this, or actually my friendship group, yeah, my church that I used to belong to, No, they led me down this road. And so actually we don't trust others well. And we don't follow others well. Think of leaders, just athletes or politicians or church leaders or business people. People fall all the time. They lie, they fall. We see that and we think, well, I'm not going to follow that then. I'm not going to easily put my trust in someone just because they tell me to. And so we can be quite cynical. But let me tell you this because this is the encouraging point. None of these things apply to God because God's character is faultless. It is impossible for God to lie. Two examples of this, Titus 1 verse 2 says, in the hope of eternal life which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And in Hebrews 6, it says, by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. God's character is completely flawless, He is perfect. And so what he says, it's not a case of, right, I'll weigh this up. And actually, does it fit my life right now? Do I like this Bible translation? Does it fit with my life group leader? Does it fit with what I hear from people at church in in the morning? No. If God says something in Scripture, that is 100% true. So if Jesus says this morning, I'm the light of the world, if you believe in me, you'll be a child of light, that's not up for debate. If you believe in Jesus then you believe in his word as well. Let that be an encouragement to you. Now, there's a song uh, from Maverick City Music. Some of you may come across Maverick City Music. Basically, during the pandemic, they burst onto the worship scene. Um, If you wanted to find some worship, you'd go on YouTube, and they'd be absolutely everywhere across America and then the whole world. And one of their songs has these lyrics. If you said it, we believe it. You're a man of your word. And I was thinking about singing it, but I'm not going to sing it. The title of the song, Man of Your Word. Powerful song. Great song. Jesus is a man of his word. And the word of God testifies to that. I've just shown you two instances where it says, yeah, Jesus is a man of his word. You can be sure that what he says over you this morning is 100% true. If you said it, we believe it. If the Bible says it, I believe it. Because he is a man of his word. He's a man to be trusted. So I'm going to bring Jackie Hall Perry back, because she says something again really helpful. She says, if God can't sin, then he can't sin against you. If he can't sin against you, shouldn't that make him the most trustworthy being there is? Do you ever think about that? I know in my life, so many occasions I don't trust God for things, and I worry. Naturally, I'm quite, quite an anxious person. So if I know something's not quite going to add up, I start to worry about it which is crazy when you just read that. If you believe that and let that penetrate your heart genuinely, if God cannot sin, then he cannot sin against any of you. And if he can't sin against you, then surely that makes him the most trustworthy being there could ever be in your life. So we should be first and foremost trusting that what he says is 100% the truth, he's not going to lie, he's not gonna let us down, he's not gonna leave us or desert us, he's not gonna lead us down a certain road and then say, oh, actually, yeah, sorry, I sent you the wrong way. We can trust him with our lives. So don't be a Pharisee this morning, believe that Jesus is who he says he is, despite how you feel this morning. Again, I don't know how you feel this morning, but actually our feelings shouldn't actually trump the word of God. Bible up here, feelings down here. So often we feel like this, therefore God is like this. That's not how it should be. Now let's quickly talk about truth. We talked about belief, let's talk about truth. So in complete contrast to the Pharisees, it says in verse 31 that there were Jews who had believed his words. So lots of people did understand what he was saying. And to this, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is why I love that Eddie came and brought that exact line. Because that is what we want today. The truth to set us free. Because the world in 2023 would have you believe that there is no the truth. There are lots of truths. You can make your own truth. Live your own truth. If you want to feel this way, great. No one can say anything against you. If you want to act this way, you do you. That's fine. But the reality is that's not true. Because Jesus is the truth. Jesus Christ reigns. That's not an opinion, that's the truth. Whether you subscribe to that is a different matter, but that is the truth. And I think the problem we can often run into is that we don't hold on to the truth, that is the light of the world. And the thing is, if you're not following the light of the world, you have to follow something. So you end up following other light sources, other things that catch your eye and they'll lead you in a slightly different direction. Not always bad, we're not saying this light here is gonna lead to horrendous things, but there are lots of things that will distract you and will pull us away from the light if we don't actually recognize we're in a battle. And I think I've noticed this recently with how much I can be guided by things I consume online. So with my job, I'm always online, it's media, it's social media, I'm looking at the news, it's PR, it's all that kind of thing. But when I, that's fine, but when I then become guided by that, and I read a whole stream of news articles, and then that informs how I go about my day, or what I believe about the world, or about you, or about God, then actually that's the wrong way around. That is not a good place to be in. It's almost like treating God like a nightlight. So if you have children, you'll know about this. The nightlight is everyone's security, they love it. But ultimately we can put God over there in the corner, let him do his thing, like we know he's there. We like that we have that reassuring presence in the corner like a child does at nighttime but actually 90% of the room is still dark. And so we have him there, we get influenced by him occasionally, we might bring him out for 10 minutes, but there's still a lot of our life that is filled with other stuff, with darkness. And I think we can easily put him in a box. So I think a good test for all of us just to ask yourself right now is this question. How much does the Bible shape your day-to-day life compared to news and social media? So just sit with that for a second. How much would you say the Bible shapes your day-to-day life, the decisions you make, how you treat others, your internal thoughts, versus what you consume through news, other people, social media, all the noise that is around us? Because I did that, and that is a real challenge to me. And I hope it's not, gonna, this is not like a guilt-inducing, oh, don't you feel bad now? This is just helpfully going to point out a blind spot, potentially, that maybe we're not being shaped by God's word as we would want to be. Now, I'd like to just finish by making three statements that, as a child of light, and if you have accepted Jesus in your life this morning, you are a child of light. Again, that's not up for discussion. That is your identity and who you are, whether you feel like that or not. So, here are three things I'd love to encourage you in this week as you go. Number one is this marvel at the light. So, maybe for the first time this morning, you're thinking, oh, I like, you know, I'd love to have something like Jesus in my life. I'd love to have someone who actually loves me and wants the best for me and can transform my heart. But maybe actually you've actually been a Christian for 40 years and you just need to slightly reorientate yourself this morning. Marvel at the light. For a fresh, go home and read that passage. Jesus is the light of the world. You are a child of God. Therefore, you have the light of him inside of you to go out. That is an amazing thing that a God, who is as amazing as our God would decide to come and make his home in you by the Holy Spirit. He would save you. He wants to be in community with you. You are part of his family this morning. Marvel at that. Don't let it become normal. Don't let it become, again, something you put in the corner. Constantly think about the fact that how privileged are we when there are so many people out there who are desperate for the light. We can all think of people who we'd love to just switch the light on for them. You've already had that. Marvel at the light. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, says, God has put eternity into the heart of man. Therefore, only what is eternal can fill the gap of eternity. Nothing temporary, no other light source can fill the void in your heart that you need. You can look wherever you want. It might feel great in the moment, but once you get towards the end and you look back, the only thing that will satisfy is the light of Jesus. That's the only thing that we can follow and actually reach the destination that we need to reach. Secondly, walk in that light. So just seeing the light, lots of people see it. You think of an alpha course, you think of a Sunday morning. Lots of people come in, they might have an experience at New Day, and then they might go back to their life and think, oh yeah, I did, I did encounter God that day, but actually, yeah, that was just like a nice bit of hype, a nice bit of feeling. I'm now just going to go back to my normal life. Walk in the light. Make a conscious decision to walk in that light. Ephesians 5.8 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Jesus has come so that you are no longer slaves to sin, and you can walk in the freedom of that. So that when life is not going great, and when you do have areas or pockets where you think, I've not let Jesus in here yet, or this thing is really weighing heavily on me, as a child of light, you can give Jesus access. He wants to work in your life this morning. And finally, shine your light. Now, having Jesus transform our hearts and reveal himself to us is amazing. It's life-changing. I've just said, for me personally, from that day in 2012, my life has been different. Not always amazing and great, but it's definitely been defined by Jesus coming into my life. And for all of us this morning, we have a call to go out. We all have a little light within us, and it's our job to go out of these doors today, not just to keep it in a nice, cozy group like this, and say, Oh, isn't it great? You're saved by Jesus. Great. Oh, look at us all. We're a family. We're designed to go out there into a dark world. Let's be honest. You just go onto the street corners. You go help out somewhere. You go to a hospice. You go into a school. You go into a business. You just look on social media. The world needs people who are going to give light, who are going to give hope, And each one of you is a vessel of that hope and light. And Jesus says, go, go talk to people. And I don't have any idea what you're going to do this week. I don't know whether you're pottering about in the garden. I don't know whether you're away on holiday, whether you're in the office working, whether you're going to have some friends over for dinner, whether you're just going to walk down the street and see who you talk to. But remember that you possess the light of life because of what Jesus has done for you. And your job is literally our job is to go out and tell others. There are so many people who need it. If you have the answer to a question in an exam, it would be lovely to just be able to tell Matt, I've got the answer. You don't have to receive it, but I want to help. I want to give you this message, this gospel message. So shine your light. It's what we've been encouraged to do. Luke, in um, his own gospel, says that you do not hide a lamp under a bowl. He uses this analogy. You put it up in the room where people walking in can see it. So how can you be a light this week? How can you shine? And attract people to you. Maybe just ask a question. Talk to them about, yeah, how are you feeling at the minute? What are you struggling with? They might see something in you and ask you a question. Just think about that. And my final question is this. Do you have room for Jesus' word this morning? So I can, I can talk all of this. That's great. But you need to personally decide, do you have room for this? Because the Pharisees didn't. It said, verse 37, you're ready to kill me because you've no room for my word. Will you believe that Jesus wants to move in your life afresh this morning? And just as a a final challenge, I think, you know, if, if we're honest, it's probably two groups of us at least here this morning. Some of us are feeling really trapped in our circumstances. Don't know what they are, but we are feeling trapped in our circumstances. We can't see a resolution. Maybe we've been in this for years. Maybe it's a current thing going on. But ultimately, I think, There are some people here trapped in circumstances that don't see a resolution. It's weighing heavy, and it's just making you feel, yeah, I am guilty or I am not worthy of this. I need God to break in. And then also just people who are struggling with sin and shame. So I've already said, we all mess up. We all hurt others. That's just the reality of it. Even as a child of light, we still get things wrong. And so these are the two things I'd love us to just pray into in a moment in application. As the band comes back up in a moment, I'd love us to just spend some time thinking, are you in those camps? Circumstances at the moment, whether that's health-related, whether it's finance, broken relationships, issues at work, school, university, friendship groups, whatever it is that you're struggling with, I would love for you to feel permission to call on people here today and say, right, you're my family, you're my family. I'd love for you to pray for this, please. I'd like to break this chain this morning and I'd like to see freedom and experience the light of life again this morning. You need to know that if you're that first group trapped in your circumstances, there is no situation beyond God's reach. He will redeem what is broken. That's what we're here to do. We're not here as perfect people. We're broken people and so we pray for one another. We love one another. And then we go out and we ask God to work in us. And as a Christian, you are an adopted son and daughter of God. This passage talks about you have a slave who doesn't have a permanent home in a family. Then you have a son, you have a child who is part of that family. You are locked into God's family. That's an amazing privilege that we get to live here. So we get to call on the Father. We get to live in relationship with him. So as I said, we're going to have a time of response now if the band would like to come back up. And if you need to break some chains this morning, please come and get prayer. And think we're going to have a, a song, communion, and then we're going to have some people posted around who are simply going to be there. If you want to come and pray, please do that. Please don't feel like people are going to be watching or judging. They're really not. We all need prayer. And equally, if for the first time, you're thinking, do you know what? I'm done with stumbling around in the dark. I want to know what it's actually like. What is this light? all about what is Jesus all about then please again come up we'd love to pray for you chat to us about what questions you have and yeah we'd love to do that with you this morning whatever step you want to take so I'm just going to pray to finish father thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus as the light of our world thank you that there is no other light that we should follow there is no one else who can give us what we need you are sufficient you are our mighty savior you came and died on that cross for us so that we can have access to you, access to the Father. And thank you that, yeah, you are here this morning. You know what's going on in our hearts, and you want to break in. So I just pray you'd give us boldness to say, do you know what, I'm going to put my hand up and say I need help in this area of my life. And would you just, yeah, minister to us now, be speaking to us, provoke us and encourage us that we are loved, that we are all children of light in your eyes, and you love us deeply. And Would we celebrate that now? In your name we pray. Amen.